Good morning. I'm Emily Reese, and I'm always pleased to speak with Jill Mott. She's a sommelier from Henry and & Son, and Jill, it is uh, nice to have you on this morning. Hello. Hello. So what have we got uh, going on that we're going to talk about today? Today rhymes with clay, yeah. <laughs> and that is what I'm going to talk about today, wines that are <laughs> fermented and or aged in clay. Because clay is one of the oldest, it is the oldest vessel that we know of for uh, wine production in the world. It dates back about 8,000 years uh, to the Republic of Georgia. And it's, you know, experiencing a resurgence of, of sorts in the last, I don't know, decade to two decades, depending on where you're looking at in the world. And it's never really, clay has never really stopped um, being used, but you know, of course, stainless steel um, provides a very clean environment to make wine, um, and it's very sustainable. Um, and so, a lot of people, uh, you know, it's not as fragile; it doesn't weigh as much as clay. And so, people are opting for other methods. Barrel, there's a lot of refinement there. But I wanted to talk about clay because it, yes, it's historical. Yes, it's having a, a resurgence, but it's one of the smartest vessels we have for wine in the world. Um, you know, there, there is the theory that it, it comes from the earth, of course. And so to put uh, agricultural product in it, it sort of has that synergy of, of earth and earth. Mm -hmm. um, but more scientific, um, on more scientific front, you know, it, it's its own, it really does create its own um, temperature control because the walls are such that, you know, when a fermentation gets hot and heavy and furious, um, it, it retains the cool nature. Um, and so your wine doesn't get off aromas and then flip flop when it gets kind of cool and cold in the fall and winter months in a cellar, it keeps the warm or the wine just warm enough to keep fermenting. Hmm. You also will notice if you Google, um, obviously not while you're driving, but if you look at, um, the bulbous nature of the walls of a, of a vessel, they usually kind of replicate like the the womb of a of a pregnant mother and kind of round. And what happens is when a wine is fermenting, it's giving off CO2, carbon dioxide. And that is it works in like a circular motion. So the the it's actually moving the yeasts around naturally and it doesn't require anybody to go in and stir stuff up. Oh, is that, so that because of the shape of it? It is, yeah. And oh, wow. so you're getting this continuous ferment that, um, you know, in the right conditions, you're not having to do anything to um, go and make sure that your fermentation is, is still proceeding forth <laughs> and, and you're not getting any off aroma. So it's just a really cool mechanism. It also, um, it is ever so slightly porous. So for people that like a barrel, because a barrel allows a wine to breathe mm -hmm. uh, ever so slightly and get some air, think of us, April during last pandemic. December, all the all the months, you just want to get out and you want to like yeah. stretch your arms. You don't want to be inside. Wine is the same way. So when it like when it breathes, it becomes even more complex. Um, it's just really good for the wine. And so think of too when you have coffee in stainless steel, it tastes a lot different than when you have it in a coffee mug because mm, porcelain yeah. is ever so slightly porous. So it does, it smells more, it's more aromatic. Um, so I wanted to recommend a few wines uh, that are born and or aged in clay. If you're okay with that, give people some direction. Absolutely. What do we got first? The first wine hails from the first place that wine that we know of, um, that wine has been documented to have been made in these clay pots. Um, and just in general, the Republic of Georgia. 
And this specific wine, it's from a producer called Chotiashvili. Yeah, say that fast five times. <laughs> Don't worry about writing it down because I'll include links um, with for Jazz 88 listeners. Chotiashvili, they are in the eastern part of Georgia, a region called Cajeti, which is where a lot of wine production happens in that country. And they are very well known for maintaining the tradition of fermenting and aging wines in clay. And now that, um, you know, orange wines are all the rage, I wanted to talk about an orange wine. A grape is called Mutsuane with a V. And Mutsuane, here in the Republic of Georgia, they do six months of skin contact mm. normally with this crazy, rich, ripe, flashy grape um, that really brings a lot of aromatics to the fore. I mean, if you smell it in a nice wine glass, you're going to notice it does smell like clay, but it also kind of smells like beeswax. And there is some earthy barnyardy aromas and a little bit of like a um, little bit of like a, a little touch of floral nature. Mutsuane hmm. is a really delicious ripe grape. If you like a fuller bodied um, white wine, this doesn't have a, it's not filtered. It hardly has any sulfur added to it all native ferment, which brings me to my next wine, which is a Greek wine Ooh. from the Peloponnese, uh, which is the, the little area that is in southwestern Greece. It kind of looks like a, a hand uh, pointing down with all of its little uh, crags and nooks and crannies. Yeah. The home of Kalamata olives is Ooh. also, I know, delicious, right? <laughs> Making me want salty things right, in the, right away in the morning. Yes. Um, so this, the area around the Peloponnese is known for a very rare grape called Santa Mariana. And I literally have only had three or four Santa Marianas in my entire life. <laughs> and this is the only one I've had that's an orange Santa Mariana. It's aged in 200-year-old Greek clay pots wow. that this person, uh, the winemaker, ended up finding and um, kind of rehabbing them cleaning them up a bit, and then making the Santa Mediana in it. And it's just an absolute joy to drink. It's a great beginner, kind of entry-level orange wine. For those of you that orange wine meaning, we're not infusing it with oranges. We are uh, aging white wines on their skins. Yeah. So they get a little bit more antioxidants, but they also get a lot more texture. They get a lot more color. They get tannin, a la red wine. Mm-hmm. And so Santa Mediana is just beautiful. It's floral. It's not too heavy. It's got nice soft acidity, so it's not really aggressive. And it just takes a liking to clay really well. Um, these, these grapes, these Santa Mediana grapes are not irrigated. They're all grown and tended to biodynamically. And then um, very low sulfur additions, just that bottling. So this is a really, really special wine that there isn't a lot of out there. Um, really mm. cool stuff. The yeah. last one I'm going to talk about is from a friend of mine, Francois Morissette. And he has a winery called Pearl Morissette, actually just north of us. Well, I should say northeast of us in Ontario in the <laughs> Niagara Peninsula in Canada. Neat. And yes, it, and this guy is making super cool, super elegant stuff up there. One of the wines he's making, he's taking a dry Riesling that he's fermented in stainless steel He's taking some Chardonnay, so it's, it's nice and dry, but fruity and bright. And then he's taking Chardonnay that he's aged in oak barrels and a little concrete, so very refined but fresh. And then he's taking Gewürztraminer, which normally, you know, I like Gewürztraminer, but it can be really oily and it can be really floral and it can mm. be um, really kind of rich and sappy. 
Um, and he's aging it in amphora for six months on the skins. And wow. so you get a wine. Yeah, it's very umami. Like for people that if you love ramen, you go to your favorite Japanese place and you shove your nose in the bowl yeah. and it smells like mushrooms and it smells like candied ginger and it smells like pickled stuff and it smells yeah. like all these like beautiful things. That happens to this Gewürztraminer. It just is very umami. It smells like a lot huh. of things that are hard to compartmentalize and you blend that all together and you get bright and elegant and then you get just this umami, this just, what the heck is this? Hmm. And it's a joy to drink. Um, there's not a lot of, it's, the wine is called Irreverence. And it's hard to find it in our market. Um, I know we only have a few bottles. I know France 44 has carried it before, I think. Um, and so you kind of got to poke around for the wine, but it's a really delicious, beautiful, uh, elegant wine to usher in springtime. Wow, some clay recommendations from uh, Jill Mott. Now, do you ever drink it out of a like a a clay cup? You mentioned how we drink coffee out of porcelain coffee cups. I mean, do you ever drink your wine out of a clay vessel of sorts? Yes, I do. I drink coffee out of clay vessels too sometimes. <laughs> um, yes, I mean you that's one of those things you sort of you really need to procure and know where to procure it because my clay vessels have mostly come from uh, the Republic of Georgia or mm. Spain. But okay. you can well if you're traveling around in a country that makes clay pots, they probably have a history of making clay drinking vessels long yeah. before all of us had these really wacky you know, crystal glasses with stems on it. Sure. That's a very, that's a quite a modern day invention. Um, And so it does really add this element of um, you can really taste the vessel and the wine becoming one. Unfortunately, you can't, usually can't see the beautiful color. Right. The the smell is quite muted, but you definitely can. um, The, the drinking experience is, is, is a bit richer, um, for lack of a better description. Nice. So, so the, sh- the long answer, the short answer to that question is yes. <laughs> yes, I do. All right. Well, Jill Mott, in the past, you've uh, been bringing us a tune to, to recommend. So I'm very curious how your discussion about wine fermenting and aging in clay vessels has inspired <laughs> some t- sort of jazz tune for us to hear. So what do you got? It has happened. So I've been reading this really cool book that talks a lot about the history of wine in the area in Persia, so present day Iran and around that area. Mm-hmm. And there is there is a really cool jazz quartet called the Persian Jazz Quartet. And they have a really fun, um, it, it sounds kind of modern, but it's really a pretty uh, song called Wheat Blossom. And yeah, so if you wanted to throw on a little Persian Jazz Quartet, their Wheat Blossom track, that'd be, uh, I think, most fun for listeners. I would love that. And Jill Mott, sommelier from Henry and Son, it has been such a pleasure to speak with you over the years. I thank you greatly for all the knowledge that you've bestowed upon us. Thank you, Emily, and best of luck to you in the future.